And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. everybody. I am S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. Welcome to Don't, Don't Get Us Started. So oh, what a day. It's after New Year's yes. now. It's now 2014. Uh, clean slate, more or less. Yes. We're just, what, a few days into the new year. Yes. We have to figure this out ahead because of time. Because we're really not. Truthfully, it's not after New Year's yet. This is a recording that's being done before then so we can release it for New Year's. So yes. but we're pretending just like we're looking do, into the future. Just like they do on TV. Yes. I saw something the other day and I'm like, gee, that felt just like a real Christmas thing. And it was, you know, they, oh, it was, um, uh, what's her face? The Long Island Medium. Oh, Teresa. And she did her little Christmas, their family Christmas uh-huh. thing and everything. And I know they had to record that either last year uh-huh. or in August or some shit. Right. But in any case, it felt very Christmassy. It was Yeah, cute. they had the air conditioner blowing while they had their winter clothes on. <laughs> no, there was actually snow and stuff outside. Oh, really? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then they had to do so, it last year. Probably, I don't know, because it's snowing back there a lot, yeah. uh, according to the weatherman. Yeah. You know. Well, but, I was watching... <clears throat> um. There was a TV show, John and Kate Plus 8, and I was watching oh, yeah, the behind yeah. the scenes with them with their recording, and it was so sad because the eight kids, they did their Christmas show for the TLC program, and then they had to put all the Christmas stuff away because oh, it, wasn't it wasn't really Christmas. <laughs> yeah, for the little ones not to understand, they're, well, they're probably not that little confused. anymore, are they? No, but at the time, yeah, they were. Yeah. They were little. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big change in that family, too. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that show in ages. I kind of lost interest. Uh, we do that. You know, we get all caught up in a new show and mm-hmm. we like it for a while and then it eh, becomes the same. Not thing so much. Over. And we're still hooked on Grimm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause we really like Grimm. We're still hooked on The Voice, mm-hmm. which is over now. They, they finished the, they did their season uh, final. Pardon? They did their season final. Yeah. That's all done. Uh, last, what day is this? Thursday, Wednesday. Wednesday. They did their last show last night. Okay. Announced the winner. And. Who was um, the winner who you were cheering for? Actually, this time I was uh, pretty much cheering for the one that won and the one that that came in second. So, you know, it was not, um, I wasn't as invested in the outcome this time as I was last year. Last year, I really wanted Danielle Bradbury to win. That's me and Dave with Big Brother. And she did. And so I was real happy about that. I still like Danielle Bradbury. We have her new album, and it's gone, like, viral all over the world and stuff. And she's she's really good. I like her. Yeah, I'm into reality shows. Mm -hmm. I like um, the Long Island Medium. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the cooking shows I like, but... Not enough to actually watch them anymore. We sort of got out of that habit right. too. Me too. Um, I used to have jewelry television all the time. That's mm-hmm. not a reality show in in the you know per se, right. but it's you know kind of reality. And it's kind of expensive. <laughs> and, but I don't leave it on all the time because I tend to buy stuff when it's on. Right. So I try not to do that. And same with QVC. I like to mm-hmm. watch that. But again, uh, dang! Every time I watch it, I'm like, ooh. I don't have any of those. Right. I should have some of those. They're not. Click, click. Yeah. Them. And oh, and I don't have to pay for them all at once. Uh-huh. And the shipping is free. Okay. I think Sold. I'll, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I have to, you know, cause I'm a real impulse buyer. Yeah. So, so is Ernie. But you know, it's funny cause I'll watch those shows like at, either at night while he's asleep or in the morning while he's still sleeping. And every once in a while, I go, honey, wake up. You got to see this. That's <laughs> really good. We got to get one. And he'll wake up and he'll look at it and he'll go, no. And I go, oh, okay. Never mind. You know, <laughs> because it'll be something he's already considered and right. rejected for whatever his reasons are. And he likes to investigate. He's not so much of an impulse buyer because he likes to investigate reading people's reviews. and Yeah, that kind of, for, for big things, yeah. yeah. But. 
take him to a grocery store, and then you're talking major impulse. Right. Okay. Because well, he's 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 totally like I am in that regard, you know. And he'll and he'll go up and down the aisles, uh -huh. you know. He's not one of those guys that goes, okay, we got the Tap bread and milk, let's leave, and let's go. you know. And so that's kind of cool. But um, yeah, TV real. I'm trying to think. We like some of the sporting events shows, not mm -hmm. sporting events. I take that back. Like the fishing shows, okay. um, uh, that one where they catch weird monster fish and stuff. Okay. We like that one. I think that's what it's called. If, well, it's not weird monster fish, but yeah, monster, monster fish. And uh, although I didn't care for the guy too much, he's a little weird himself. But in any case, I watch Little People, Big World. I had don't watch that show, but I've been watching their commercials for it, mm -hmm. and it sounds like are they getting a divorce? I they always fight on the show, and the kids even say, Do no. they? Um, oh. It's not really fighting, it's nitpicking back and forth. Mm. It's his way or no way. And mm. um, I watched mm. the season final last night, and I think that they're going to separate. Did they well. also have a medical issue with their little adopted boy? Didn't they have a little Asian no, that's a different, adopted that's a different boy? show. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed um, up. Little then. People, Big World is the family. Mom and Dad are chondroplegic dwarfs right and they have four children and only one of them is a dwarf the twins right a twin brother and him and the right brother. well what's yeah, the one with the little, little asian couple. little couple mm -hmm. oh well there you go yeah they just adopted i watched that one also i yeah. watch um they adopted a little boy from china i believe yeah did he have some kind of medical issues yeah and i think it's just because of his dwarfism because um, oh, I remember hearing, again, through the commercials, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, we're sorry that this is such a tragedy and everything. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know what I that know was about. So that they're trying to just work on his medical condition with the dwarfism. Oh, oh okay, he, good. I was hoping it wasn't anything real serious. Um, problems with hearing. Mm. She's a doctor. Oh, the little person mm -hmm. is a doctor? Yes. That's cool. Little people need doctors, too. Yes. She's probably a doctor for other people she, besides little right. people, too. Oh, yes. She works in, I think, like, medial knit uh, care for children. She's... What kind of care? Medial... I don't know what the word is. It's in my head, but it won't come out. Sorry, I hit my mic. I understand that Nick, problem. Nick care. She takes care of sick babies. Oh, NICU. NICU. Yeah, and I see you. Neonatal intensive care unit. Yes. That's what NICU yes, means. That's what I was trying to spell. Okay. Out. Yeah. Um, okay. So she takes care of newborns mm -hmm. in intensive care. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. And yeah. then he does owns his own business. And they just recently, a couple shows back, moved to Texas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But the little boy is okay. Yeah, it's not my... dying or anything. No, oh, no, because because they made it sound bad, you know, and they, they were all upset, and you know, and I'm like, oh, well, anyhow, I don't watch that one. Um, no, they I... went through the heartbreaking routine of not being able to get pregnant, else? to doing the fetal fertilization that didn't work. Um, they even had somebody to be a um, surrogate. Uh huh. Yeah. And she miscarried, and they so they decided to adopt, and they adopted mm. one little boy. And then they adopted another little girl. But I haven't seen her yet on the show. Yeah, yeah. And her name's also Zoe. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Some of the medical shows I like, but some of them I don't, too. Like, there's this one, uh, Stories of the ER. Mm -hmm. I don't like... Stories. Yeah, I don't like it because it's all reenacted shit. Yeah. And, and they tend to over-dramatize mm -hmm. uh, at times when I don't think they need to. <clears throat> but there are other... Uh, ER shows and, and mm -hmm. medical shows that are more like documentary right. and not enacted or acted. And I enjoy those right. a lot. Um, I also like the ones where you try to, well, you don't try to guess. I try to guess. But I like the ones where they don't tell you necessarily right away what's going on. And so I try to, I try to diagnose in my head. I try to figure out what's going on the with the patient. Diagnosis or Some the of those, yeah. yeah. And then I like the parasite ones too. Yeah. The what do they call that? Things in my blood or something. Yeah. Then I've watched the one also where she kept on snailing. I feel something like it's clawing out of my head and she kept on itching and the doctor looked and there was nothing and the husband's like, Doctor, come here and she had like this worm coming out of oh, her yeah. scalp. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. They're just nasty as ew, yeah. sticky. 
and but i like that because it, it helps me keep it keeps in my mind it helps me to remember to be careful about what i come in contact with yeah. you know hand washing is the first line of defense against mm -hmm. practically everything mm -hmm. uh and of course paying attention to what you're putting in your mouth and and then going to the foreign countries seems like yeah foreign country travel can be detrimental to your health if you're not careful i got lucky when i was in liberia yeah. i came home uh, virtually unscathed medically physically from uh, all the things that could have happened to me there. What about mentally? <laughs> yeah, mentally it took a little longer, but yeah, I got I got over it. Uh, but um, I mean, emotionally, I should say, not necessarily mentally, but emotionally. Uh, but physically, there are so many things could have happened to me. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, somebody was watching out for me, you know. Like I always say, God watches out for fools and drunks. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you got to be careful where you go and who you go there with and what you do when you're there and stuff like that. But I do enjoy those shows just because of my medical background. I think it's it's interesting stuff. And Ernie likes them, too. We also like to watch surgeries a lot, which yes. a lot of people don't like because they're like, ew. Depends on my mood. You know, there's blood. And if I'm not feeling too well and <laughs> they start showing. Oh, yeah. If you're not I feeling well, then it might not be exciting. But we do enjoy uh, watching that kind of stuff. You don't see them too much anymore, but... Used to be a lot of surgery yeah. shows. And like everything they phase in and they leave and something yeah. else comes in. And yeah, and that, and we kind of do that with I like watching, our likes and dislikes. Well, yeah, too. I like watching yeah. um, House Hunters International just because I like to see the way different countries' bathrooms are set up or their kitchens are set up or, you know, mm -hmm. how their homes yeah. are. Yeah. Like that lady. Did I tell you about that lady that we met in, or in meet, but the lady that, that I sort of ran into in the bathroom at Paris Casino. Yeah, she told me about her. It was so cute. She was like taking pictures in the the uh the ladies Paris. restroom she was in the in Paris Vegas. Casino yes. in Las Vegas. Uh because it's it's got they there's gold fixtures and and uh the basins are all uh they're decals but they look like they're hand painted floral designs uh -huh. and shit and it's you know it's very very ornate. very ornate and very and wasn't um, she from Italy? Yes, she was Italian. Yeah. Very French mm -hmm. looking, okay? When of course being the Paris casino, that's their appropriate. Theme. But she was it was funny cuz I was sort of in her way so I moved out of the way and she was like backing up and everything trying uh -huh. to get a good angle, you know, and so with her back to me I said um, not like the bathrooms at home, huh? You know, or right. some comment like that. And she didn't say much. She didn't say anything. And so then when I could see her face, I said, uh, do you have, I, what did I say? Something inane, like, you know, you don't have a bathroom like this at home, or I don't have a bathroom like this at home or something. And she just kind of smiled. And so I said, where are you from? Mm -hmm. And she goes, Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's from Italy. Communication But barrier. it was, yeah, it was her, her grasp of, Excuse me, her grasp of English was probably far better than mine of Italian. <laughs> right. You know, I know how to say buona notte, and, and that's probably not even Italian. Uh, and that's about it. So, and ciao, baby. You know, and that's about that, it that's it. And linguini, and I'm done, you know. <laughs> so, but anyhow, um, um, different houses in the world, um, uh, I think is what you were talking about the the show yeah, international they go yeah Americans which is go cool there and yeah. they look to buy a home yeah and it's interesting to see what people live in we we're used to in this country we're used to a certain style of home right. with um bathrooms nearby the bedrooms and things and of that nature it's not necessarily always the case right it's... not not always the case in other countries you see this little stove yeah. and for us it'd be like something would be in a motorhome that's so yeah. tiny it's like that's yeah. a family stove oh shit yeah. no yeah kitchens kitchens in england are not terribly large either yeah. and here a kitchen in at least in newer designed homes is damn near like a master bedroom <laughs> well yeah it's 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 uh because they do they combine a lot of times um the dining room and family room mm -hmm. and kitchen all in one so it's a huge and I mean space. huge, like 30 feet across mm -hmm. by 20 feet, you know, stuff like that, uh, where it's all one big room. And see, then... I think that also goes to us Americans. We love our food. 
Well, and we love our, our appliances. Uh-huh. You know, we got, we, it's not enough we have a refrigerator. No, no, no. We have to have a double white or uh-huh. the, or the refrigerator drawers, uh-huh. which I, you know, I've always kind of thought that was cool. I would like to have refrigerator drawers. Uh-huh. That would be nice, you know, because I don't want to have to. I want well, to get the fridge with a freezer on the bottom. Years ago, I, I have so one bad. of those because years ago I told my husband, I said, look, I'm getting old and my uh-huh. bendy foldy parts don't do it anymore. So if you want me to keep cooking, you're going to have to get me a refrigerator with a refrigerator on the top like uh-huh. God intended them to right. be and not on the bottom. Because how often you are know? you in the freezer? Not often. Not the enough. More. Not enough to make it worth bending over and with a regular refrigerator where it's like bottom to top refrigerator Mm -hmm. and maybe the freezer on the side like Mm -hmm. a what do they call those half and halves yeah you know uh or the ones with the with the freezers on the top side by side thank you uh then you have to if you if the refrigerator parts on the bottom eventually you're going to be down on your hands and knees Uh crawling to the back looking for something you can't reach and I can't get on my knees because of the surgeries. Right. And, 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 and I have a bad back, so, so I think that right. David needs to get me. Right, I think honey. so too. I think so too. But I'm telling you, what you pay a little bit more, mm-hmm. not a lot more, as much as you would think. It's not so right. much. A little bit more to have the refrigerator where it should be. Yes, up above. I'm tall. I'm six foot how one. We so... ever, how we ever got to the point of having the stupid freezer, freezer on, on top, top and the refrigerator on the bottom. I do know. I was going to say I don't know, but I do. They were designed by men. Sorry. Uh-huh. Okay. That's enough said. And a discussion with yeah. that one. <laughs> so, but we do like our appliances. We yes. like our stoves to be big. We like big ovens. Sometimes we like our ovens separate from our uh-huh. cooktops or ranges or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I would love to have a wall oven. Just because then, again, my back. Not have to crawl down on the floor. I have wall ovens. Uh, They're stacked. Mm -hmm. uh, And the lower one is actually pretty low, but I can still, you know, get into it. And it has a, what do you call it, window. Mm -hmm. So you can see and everything. Like when I'm broiling in a broiler, I sit on the floor. Yeah, because you can't watch it otherwise. And that's that's a PIA. Uh And so we do like our appliances and we like our families. You know, there's so much uh, when you when you cook at home and your family is is here and there a lot. It's the only time you get a chance to really talk with one Mm -hmm. another sometimes is when you're cooking and having your meals and stuff. So having it all together. The kitchen is the heart of the home. Yeah, and having that all together in one room is convenient for that. You're in the kitchen by yourself. Everybody else is in the family room, and you're separated from the activities that's going on in your home. Right, and that, and and then there's also the issue of having to trek back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, in in a in an open kitchen area like we're talking about, it's cool because you can just almost reach over and put something on the table, as opposed to going into another room and going, you know. So formal dining rooms are pretty much passe in this Mm -hmm. country, at least for those of us who don't live real high on the hog all us ordinary folks a home where i'm using every single excuse me every single space of my home otherwise it's useless what's that i I missed the first part of what you said i'm sorry well you're saying that um formal dining rooms or living rooms yeah i'm like person who likes to use every space in my house i yeah. don't want something to just sit there and look pretty don't go in that room right or it's just for dining right yeah and you know it's it's nice to have the uh the openness of the house and and mm-hmm. and includes it includes more of the family members yeah. i think yeah and it's nice for the bedrooms to be secluded because mm-hmm. of obvious reasons you right. want seclusion in your bedroom uh, that's not a family room. That's hopefully bedroom. not. Some, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it has to be, and that's yeah. that's we get that that we understand that not everybody is fortunate enough to have a house where they can all each have their own bed right. and each have their own room and all of that sort of thing. But as much as possible, you want to have your own privacy right. and your own seclusion. And yes, we do like our bathrooms yes. to be in our near our bedrooms. We like our bathrooms to be comfortable and mm-hmm. and uh, have all of the things we need them we need. to have, and because we like to get up in the night and go pee and stuff like that. So thank goodness for indoor but, plumbing. Yeah, no shit. Uh, well, I grew up without indoor plumbing. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, we had well, 
both actually when when uh when i was real little we had indoor we were in a house in burbank um and of course we had indoor plumbing there uh when we moved up north we had we lived in the farmhouse for a Mm -hmm. while and and it had well i'm sure it had indoor plumbing but isn't that odd i don't remember the bathrooms at all in that house and i was five and six years old during that time interesting well, anyhow, I'm sure we had, because I don't remember having outdoor plumbing. So that's how I know we had indoor. Uh, but we did go visit friends who had outdoor plumbing. And so, yeah, I used to have to go out at night because I've always had bladder issues. And it's very scary when you're little having to yeah. go out and pee. In the, and, and we had, uh, you know what a thunder mug is? No. Okay. A thunder mug is... Um, the old-fashioned thunder mug was an old um, ceramic bowl with a handle, and a I'm basin. and I'm I'm using my hands. No, not a wash basin. I'm using my hands to indicate it was probably at least twenty-four inches across yeah. or so around in that and round mm-hmm. and deep, <clears throat> and they were put under the bed, and you used those in the night when you had to so get up and pee. So the bowl had a handle. Yeah, oh, and just okay. for convenience sake, so you could pick it up and carry it out and dump it. Okay. Hopefully somewhere appropriate. Um, but you use those to pee in in the night, and hopefully just pee right, in. Right. They weren't intended for other things. However, we all know <clears throat> when you get up in the night to go pee, sometimes you pass gas too. Yes. And, of course, that makes a thunderous sound sometimes. Oh. And so they were called thunder mugs. I get it. Uh, and the mug part, because it had a handle and looked like a giant mug. Well, That you will not be drinking that of. No. Well, when I was a kid, I went to visit family friends and spent the night. And I don't recall now why. Uh, but they had outdoor John. Okay. And um, <laughs> it was it was a house designed for the very basic necessities so there was a kitchen there was a hallway leading from the kitchen to the back of the house Mm -hmm. off the hallway were the various bedrooms there were like two or three bedrooms one for the mommy and daddy the rest for the kids and they had a lot of kids uh and the hallway was for reasons i'll never know presumably I don't even know if it was accidental or not. It slanted. Oh. Okay. It was on a, not a major's. Incline. Yeah, but it was slanted. Oh. I don't know if they built it that way deliberately or not. In any case, um, this was a, pa- a family of people who were not well off. Okay. okay. So they didn't have thunder mugs. They had three pound coffee cans. Okay. And they put them under the bed. And I was sleeping with some of the girls in the family. You know, I don't know how many of us there were in the bed. Probably three or four of us anyway. And I had to get up and go pee. And I didn't know the coffee cans were under there. So I figured I had to go out to the outhouse to pee. And I was uh, eight or more years at this point. Okay. And I got up and I... Got out of the bed and went to pee, mm-hmm. came back in, okay, and that in itself was a scary event because, well, yes. A, it was really cold. And dark. This was in Washington State, okay, and then it was in the wintertime and it was fucking freezing. Nothing like having to pee when you're sitting on a cold mm, <laughs> wooden piece of wood with a hole in it to... Mm, you know, you know, outhouses aren't like, you know, when we go to Porta Johns and right. stuff, they're sort of like that, only imagine them with no toilet seat and wood. Right. Okay, that's pretty much what an outhouse is. Uh, anyhow, uh, and then I had to come back with all the oogie boogies behind me uh-huh. at my back, you know, that were, I was sure were going to grab me, uh-huh. you know, because you're a little kid and it's dark, you know, and just see the light of the house and all you can do is think if i can just make it to the house i'll be okay Uh the monsters won't get me Uh so i got back into the house and i and i scurried up the slanted uh hallway and i 
instead of just going around and getting in on the side of the bed where it had gotten out, I decided to climb over the end of the bed. Oh. Well, that would have been okay, except for the fact that the coffee can was right under the end of the bed. And when I climbed up, my foot caught the leading edge of the coffee can, unbeknownst to me, and flipped it over, and somebody had peed in it. So the pee ran out of the bedroom and then down that slanted hallway and puddled into the kitchen. Oh. And in the morning when the mommy and daddy got up, they knew exactly who had done it uh-huh. because, hello, I was the only one in the family uh-huh. that didn't know about the coffee cans and not to step in them. So, but they were very kind about it because I was a guest. They didn't make me feel bad about it. I felt bad enough about it as it was, but not bad enough to wake anybody up in the night and tell you. them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they probably, may have. maybe they thought, yeah, they may have done. Or maybe they thought I knew, you know, maybe they may have thought everybody lived the way they did. So, in any case, that's a fond memory of plumbing and why we like it indoors. And, the, you know, we like it to be actual plumbing. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was many years yeah, ago. watching the TV show, Buying Alaska, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Um, a lot of them are live in rural Alaska, so right. there was a porta potty, and inside the shed was a box, and it had two holes in it for two people. Right, a two holer uh-huh. we used to call them. Yes, that's, <laughs> for two people to go in there and go potty. That's the what they were thing. called was two holers. It was just yeah. a slab of um, plywood with two yep. holes. Yep. I had actually when I was in Liberia, I had uh, an uh, they had dug a latrine. But for my privacy and convenience, mm-hmm. they built a hut around it, and they built a, a wooden structure mm-hmm. over the latrine with a little hole in it. And they, Steve, uh, bought me a toilet seat mm-hmm. and um, attached it to the hole, to so I hole. had an actual toilet. It didn't have—I don't think it had a lid, but I had an actual toilet right. seat, so I felt fairly comfortable right. actually for that purpose. You know, and had. A place to put my feet so mm-hmm. I wasn't necessary. I think. I don't believe I was standing in the sand. I may have been. I can't remember that part now. But in any case, um, <clears throat> because I was used to it as a kid, it was not big, a big deal. At least I didn't have to go out and, and pee under a palm tree. Right. So, you know. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. 
visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra $10, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. What about sleeping conditions out there? Where how did you guys in huts? We had a we had a sleep hut, but uh, uh, Steve had them build the guys that helped build it. He had them build uh, a raised floor, and then we had mattresses on the floor. So we had a wooden floor, Mm -hmm. uh, and you had to step up on it, and then the mattresses platform. Yeah, and then the mattresses uh, were on on the wooden floor. So it was like having it like a bed. Well, the only bugs that we had were, we had a lot of cockroaches that would fly in and out. Mm-hmm. They were actually flying cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there wasn't, you know, nothing, there was nothing you could do about that. I mean, they were just, they would come and go. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got used to it. But they hung out near the food. So right. that was not a problem. As long as we didn't bring food into the bedroom, if we, or into the sleep hut. If we did that, then, yeah, you get, home. yeah. Uh, we had the ants. Um, Anybody that reads my book, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner, you can read all about the I've ant invasion. I've the two-year-olds. Oh, yeah. You she can't. wants to take it from I me. I know. Um, that We had an ant invasion in the camp one night, and they literally, uh, it was weird, because I got up to go to the latrine when I came back and sat down on the end of the bed. I had a, I was, I smoked then, so I was having a cigarette, and I was just finishing it off, and I felt something scratching my neck and i thought must be a i don't know what i thought it was because we didn't we were right on the um beach okay well almost right on the beach we were just up the berm from the beach just they had they had trimmed out a semicircle in in the bush um gotten rid of all the the vegetation in that Mm -hmm. area and made the camp there so we were you know practically right on the beach and we got all the offshore breezes. So they then when the mosquitoes and everything were more inland because so they, really they didn't, didn't have like to they didn't have to fight the wind. So they hung out inland. So we didn't have mosquitoes. Oh, but I it I may have thought it was a fly or something. I don't know. But anyhow, it then I had another tickle and another tickle Uh-oh. and I, and then and then I was quiet for a second and I thought, Holy shit, I hear ants. Cause you can hear them in large quant large okay, numbers. Are the ants there, like our ants here? At home? No, 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 no. They're driver ants. These were driver ants. They're big. Dri- big, big fuckers. They're the bigger than our red ant or oh. our black ants. Oh yeah. Oh, we're talking half inch long. Oh wow. Big ants. Uh, and longer some of them, and they're noisy. And and they don't just. It's not just a few. When they go anywhere, they go as a colony. And so you're talking millions of ants, okay? So I I I stood up and I pulled the chain on the light because we had electrical power to the uh, hut. Uh, we had a generator okay. that, and then we had stored battery power from okay. the generator. And I turned on the light, and I woke Steve up, and I said, "Get out of bed. The ants are here." And they were at that time of season. No, they were on the move. They, they were on the move. They, uh, what they do is, is they, they go from place to place, um, for food, like, like any other animal. But because they hang out together, they're not solitary animals. They're a community. Um, they, they all move when they, 
have depleted the resources wherever they have been. They go on the move to find more goes. resources. And we, our camp just happened to be in the way, right. you know, of their transition. Journeys. And so Steve got up and, and he was, we were both going, ah! we were not screaming, but close to mm-hmm. it. We were yelling for, um, Joseph, the, the local who helped take care of our uh, camp and us. We were yelling for him and we went out and stood in, we had these huge enamel wash basins. Okay. By huge, I mean about 36 inches across, okay? And they were always kept at the eaves of every hut because we could catch the the rainwater. So we ran out, and when I say there were ants there, I mean they were everywhere by then, okay? From the time it took me to get in there and sit down on the end of the bed, realize that something was crawling on me, figure out what it was, realize the noise I was hearing, because like I said, when they when they travel, especially in the thatch of the hut, mm-hmm. they, they make a, plus they click, oops, I, kicked, I hit my microphone, they click, make a clicking sort of sound, or or just, I don't know whether it's their jaws or their legs or what, but now, there was this. Do suckers bite? Oh, hell yes. Readily, excuse me, freely, frequently. Uh, so anyhow, we, we ran out of the hut and Steve took one enamel pan across the way under the eaves of the work hut. And I took the other one, which was right at the edge of the sleep hut. And both of them had water in it and we stood in them because the ants weren't, well, the ants weren't going to crawl up the sides of the enamel pan anyhow, most likely. They would have done if, if it, if it was something in their way and they were going to go through, they'd, they'd go over it. They won't, they don't care about that, but it was easier to go around it, you know, so they just went around it. So he's, and we were both built naked. I mean, you know, we're in the jungle and we sleep naked. What can I tell you? Anyhow, um, he's standing in one bar- bucket pan. I'm standing in the other. And we're screaming bloody murder for Joseph to come. And he comes comes stomping around because that's how you walk around with the ants. You stomp through them. If you stomp, then they can't get a hold of you and climb up your leg. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he comes stomping around and <laughs> laughing his head off at us because he thought that was real fucking funny. You know, and so, oh, Missy. Steve is an American also. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we <laughs> we said, you know, get rid of these fucking ants. Do something. You know, Raid. what are we going to do? <laughs> and so he already had in his hand um, a soda bottle mm-hmm. with kerosene and a rag. Okay. And now you would think at this point, without me saying any more, you would think he was going to light it and throw it on the like ants like or something. Cocktail but he did not. He actually took the bottle with the kerosene inverted it so that it was dripping down the rag that was in it and he went around each hut okay and sprinkled this gasoline actually it was gasoline it wasn't kerosene it was gasoline that we used to run the generator and and sprinkled it around and by the time now okay let me back up a little bit our camp was oh god Probably at least 60 or 70 feet across. It was sort of circular, okay, for, you know, purposes of of this description anyway. Um, It had our sleep hut, our cook hut, our work hut, our storage area and hut, um, Joseph and his wife's hut. Uh, and outside was the latrine. So it had a lot of buildings in it, a lot of equipment, the, the water catchment facility in it. Uh, so it was a big area. These ants, we realized when we got outside, were everywhere in the camp. There was millions. All over the camp. There wasn't a part of the camp they weren't in. That's why Joseph was up and at the ready when we got up, because he was being invaded too. And that's why he had the rag and the and the bottle and the gasoline. Okay, so he went around our sleep hut, shook the gasoline, went around our cook hut, shook the gasoline, started around the work hut to shake the gasoline, 
and he may have, we don't know, I never found out whether he had already shaken it around his hut or not. He probably did because Mimi was there and the kids were there and everything. By the time he finished shaking it, in fact, he hadn't finished. By the time he got around the edge of the work hut, every ant in the compound was gone. So they don't want to smell gasoline. Well, it's not just that. Not all of them were exposed to it directly. But they communicate with one another in ways that scientists understand. I don't. So maybe that was Somehow or other, they... they they talk with clicking. No, it's something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not It's not the clicking. The clicking is an inadvertent sort of thing. It's like walking through the leaves. It crunches and makes noise. Uh, but uh, at least well, as far as I understand. Chaos, yeah. But the thing is, they communicated with the colony. The ones who were exposed directly to the gasoline managed somehow to communicate with the entire colony. Well, I can always, like on the raid commercial... If they come in the house and they find food, they live, live a pheromone smell, and mm -hmm. alerts the other ones to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Food. Well, in, in this case, they left some other kind of smell because whatever it was, it was less than five minutes time, and every ant in that compound was gone. I don't wow. know where they went. Well, they went I on their journey. Don't know where they went. I don't care. They were gone, and that was all now, I cared about. And I mean, they were all gone. They were food. gone. Out of the cook, out of the sleep hut, all the ones that had been in the blankets and the sheets and, and the thatch and the roof and everywhere, they were all gone. Now, if he wouldn't have done the gasoline, they would have stayed indefinitely. Oh, probably. Well, or until they got where they were going, you know, because they were just marching through. But there, the, you know, again, in the book, I talk about, uh, an encounter that we had with them when we were coming, uh, when we were walking through the bush to get to the camp. And, and the numbers, the sheer numbers of, of ants in the colony and the space that they took up as, as a group traveling was, was unbelievably large. It wasn't just a little trail of ants. We're talking about 10 or 15 feet wide trail for as far back into the jungle as I could see. You know, so you're talking billions of freaking ants. Yeah, it was insane. So, um, you know, and that was the only time that ever happened. It was, and we laughed about it with Joseph afterwards. You know, once they were gone, we were all ha yeah. ha ha. You know, gee, that was, that was interesting. You know, uh, what about scorpions and snakes? No, no scorpions. Some snakes never saw one. Um, lizards, iguanas saw two snakes actually. When we were in Monrovia, the Freeport of Monrovia was, was, uh, like when we went to town, that's where we went. Okay. Uh, for supplies and whatnot. When we first got to the country, when I first got to the country, um, <clears throat> Steve and I were walking along, going to the beach, just for somewhere to walk one evening. And some guy was uh, coming out of a, it was like a shack, sort of, but it was an unoccupied one. It was just a derelict shack along the beach. And he was waving this dead snake that he had. Um, and saying something, I couldn't understand what, but it looked as though he was real excited that he got it, you know, Dinner. probably, probably. Um, and then the only other snake I ever saw was someone had killed a snake and hung it on the, um, wooden post outside our compound, right by the beach. Um, just because he had killed it and hung it up there. It was, you know, like, yeah, this snake, I never saw any snakes Living. alive anytime. That doesn't mean they weren't around. I just didn't see them. They're well camouflaged. And, and, and I didn't know at the time. I found out later, um, meant much, much later. Actually, when I was researching some information for the book, uh, I found out that uh, black mambas and other such nasty critters do live in that area. Oh. But I didn't know it at the time, thank goodness, or I never would have gone there. Uh, but I never saw any. Uh, of those. I did see um, this giant millipede one time. It was bigger around than my thumb by far. Half again as big around as my thumb. And I have a pretty good sized thumb. And about nine or ten inches long. And it was a, like a dark mahogany black brown color and had a gazillion feet, you know. 
and it was just crawling along in the I believe it was um I believe it was in where the trees and stuff were. I don't think it was on the sand. It was somewhere near the compound. I saw that one. And I, I mentioned it to Joseph and he grabbed it. I don't know what he did with it. I don't want to know. I don't want to <laughs> think. But he so prob probably most... ate it. Probably. But maybe not. He might have just killed it because they are poisonous. So What about the time? Have you ever had a time where you wish that you had not gone? To Liberia? Yeah. Was there any fear or oh shits or oh? You mean as far as the wilds were concerned? Mm -hmm. No. No, the only time that, that I, that I was in danger was, well, actually there were two times. The f one time was, um, we had a zodiac. You know what a zodiac is? Okay. For those of you who don't, it's a pontoon boat, basically. And, uh, because we had offshore, we had a tide gauge that had to be checked from time to time. We had to go out in the zodiac to do it. Well, the, the ocean where we were, it was it was like an inlet, sort of a bay mm -hmm. kind of structure geographically, and um, the the ocean waves broke in two different places. Like sometimes when you go to the ocean or you see pictures of the ocean, you see the waves coming in and they and they make waves and stuff, and then they come and crash on the shore. Okay, well there the waves would come in and crash on on about twenty or thirty. Uh, feet, I'll say, out, they would crash, and then there, there was left. more space left for the water was coming, and so they'd crash again. So the water actually broke in two different places, about 30 to 50 feet apart, okay? So what we had to do, because you, you, um, you have, you can't, okay, you can't get broadside of a wave in any boat, but particularly in a, in a Zodiac, that's the only way you can tip over. Zodiacs are real stable little boats. But if you want to turn one over, get it cross broadside of a wave. So what we had to do, because there was no still water, you know, basically to put the boat, like if the, if the, if the water had, had just one place it broke on shore, then we could just take it past that right. and be out in still water and start the boat up and go. Right. But no, we had that space, but then beyond that we had waves and we had to be revved up and going in order to get over those waves because they were pretty high waves. Yeah. We had to be revved up and going before that. So that meant getting past the first set of, of breakers and then in the still water before the next set of breakers, we had to get the motor going. Right. So that took more than two people. Okay, uh, so Joseph and his wife, Mimi, would help us <clears throat> stabilize the boat, so to speak. And then Steve would pull on the motor and get it started and take us out. My job was just sit there and be good, which I did. Uh, so the first time, you know, nobody had any idea. Joseph had no clue because he was not familiar with uh, the the size of the boat the weight of the boat or anything else. And and he was supposed to be the one helping to stabilize. And so I was helping a little bit, but I couldn't do much. And so Steve said, just get in the boat. Mm -hmm. So I got in the boat. <clears throat> well, uh, Mimi was trying to help. She was pregnant. And oh. so she was not a lot of help. And the Bokai, the oldest little boy, was, uh, I'm going to say about 12 or 13. Yes, but he was slim and, and not real strong, but he was doing his best to help. Okay. And, and it all kind of went bad fast and <clears throat> short, long story short, the, the boat got broadside in between the breakers. And the next thing we knew, we got hit by a good, strong far breaker, the farthest out breakers, and it flipped the Zodiac mm. with me in it. And all of our equipment, which was expensive equipment, <clears throat> flipped out of the boat. And I took a diving tank on the head. A diving tank is a tank of oxygen, about two and a half feet tall, about 20 inches around, and weighs about, hmm, I don't know, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. Not more. And fortunately, because I was underwater at the time, that took some of the 
hit off of it, but it hit me right on the forehead oh, and knocked my glasses, a brand new glasses that I had gotten just before I left the States to come on the trip. My, my granny glasses, they used to call them. <laughs> and gouged this big old gouge in my forehead, you know. Uh, it didn't knock me unconscious, but when I came up from underneath the boat and everything, because, you know, they, they Head managed. Headwinds are the worst. Hmm? Headwinds, Headwinds are, are bad, worst. yeah. And they had managed to keep a hold of the boat. They lost all the equipment. Oh. We had weight belts and diving tanks and, uh, um, uh, new paper and stuff for the tide gauge that had to be changed out. All kinds of stuff got lost. And my glasses too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, once we got the boat back on shore, because when I got out from under the boat and out of the water, uh, enough where I could breathe and everything, then they were, everybody was trying to pull the boat back on shore before we lost it too. Right. And so I was helping drag the boat back up and all of a sudden Joseph screams, screams, Missy, Missy, Missy dying, you know? And I'm oh. like, what the fuck? And he pointed to my forehead and I went like this and had, you know, was just bleeding like a stuck hog, you know, head wounds bleed. Yes. And so he was freaking out because he thought I was going to die because um, open wounds in the tropics can be deadly. And so he was terrified for me. And Missy, uh, read the book to find out why they called me Missy. But anyhow, um, so once we got the boat on shore, I went up to the water catchment thing, mm-hmm. uh, which Steve had built in the middle of our camp. And it had actually had faucets in two different places. So once there was water in the drums uh you could actually just use it like a regular shower and yeah you could just turn on the faucet and get water you know hold a bucket under it and turn it on you got water so i stood underneath one of them and washed the wound as clean as i thought i possibly could got my hair out of it got the sand out of it and all that kind of stuff and then i went and and took a got a towel and dried it off a little and then I got some adhesive out of the first aid kit, and I just <laughs> wound it around my, <laughs> my head. And I it was I must have looked ridiculous, but I was very worried because it was right on my forehead, yeah. between my eyes, but above them. A little bit, like kind of between my eyebrows and then on up uh-huh. to the top of my forehead. And when I'm stressed, you can still see the scar, actually. Oh. But anyhow, um, and I tried to butterfly it as, as good as I could. And then wrap the adhesive around my head. And what about antibiotics? I remember you telling uh, me that. At the time, I uh, I didn't have any antibiotics, but I wasn't worried about that so much because I had cleaned out the wound and closed it up. So I wasn't terribly worried about that. The reason that wounds in the tropics can be deadly is because they don't do that. They don't wash them out, and they don't clean, uh, cover them up, or right. or close them up. So you, yeah, you have a tendency to wind up getting something in your uh, wound that you don't want. So we had um, we had to go to Monrovia to go to the doctor to have me checked out because this was you know not a good thing. So um, once they uh, once Steve had salvaged as much as he could of what little equipment he could salvage there like i said most of it was lost i think he managed to save one weight belt uh and we got the zodiac turned back over and everything like that we had to go across the bay to the um, episcopal mission where they had um um what do i want to say it was a, a radio communication thing because we didn't have any way, you know, this is before cell phones. This was in 1971, for God's right. sake. We didn't have any cell phones or shit like that. So we had to communicate with our liaison in Monrovia to like let them know that we needed to come to town. Because what they had to do then was they had to turn, uh, they had to send out a truck to pick us up to take us there. I mean, we didn't have a car. It wasn't one of those things where you hop in the car and you go. Right. We were out in the fucking bush. Right. You know, it was a a two-hour drive out of town and a three-and-a-half-hour walk from there to where we were in the bush. We were three miles south of the Sierra Leone border. You know, we were way the fuck out, yeah. you know. So we had to go to the mission where they had the, the communication radio thing. I can't remember what the fuck it's called right now. Um, ham radio, like a ham radio. 
No, not as not as not a CB. It was a ham, like a ham radio. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> anyhow, so again, we had to get the the boat in between the waves, you know. And this time they managed to hold on to it, and we got in the boat and drove over the second breakers, and zoom, we go across the bay to the Episcopal Mission, and we get there, and Joseph's with us because he had to go with us. I forget why, but he was with us. And so we go there, and we had already met these people, uh, um, Reverend Roberts and his wife, and and uh, they saw me with the adhesive and everything, and so, you know, they got on the radio, and they notified them, send the truck, because we got to go to the doctor. Okay. So we get back to the dock to get back in the boat and i'm just getting ready to climb into the boat and joseph starts freaking out again oh missy's gonna die missy's gonna die acid fly biter and i'm like what the fuck and he's on my leg was a blister oh the size of a pea oh okay and he's pointing to it, and he's going, acid fly bite, Missy. Missy's going to die. You know, and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, mm-hmm. it's a a fly bite, you know. I said, no, no, it's it's okay. No, he was, I mean, he was hysterical. He was in tears. He was oh. really, really, really worried about me. They, um, because Steve and I represented potential work for a lot of people in that area, we were highly thought of and very protected by all the locals any one of whom would have given his life for us if we'd insisted practically. I mean, they were just, you know, very protective of us. So how much time have I got? Okay. Okay. So we get back in the boat and we get back to the camp and we start getting our stuff together so we can hike out to go to the car the next day. I'm sorry that you busted your head open, but good thing we didn't lose a limb or. Yeah, no. Because you died in the process of getting there. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, that's a chance to take. I always, the only thing that ever made me worry was if I, oh God, if I ever have appendicitis, I'm a dead duck. Yeah. Because of the time it takes to get there. So we knew the truck was coming the next morning because it's a 24 hour process. Even from the time that they called and said we're coming, it's still a 24 hour process before the truck is in Dia, where it, that's the village that's, that where the, where the road ends. We got a three and a half hour hike to get to Dia. Okay. So anyhow, I'm packing up my stuff and I look down at my leg and, and the little blister has popped. And I thought, okay, cool. And so I wipe off the stuff and I, and it, I looked at it and it was kind of dented in the, in my flesh a little bit. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. I didn't think much of it. The next morning I get up and there's a hole in my leg. Oh shit. Yeah. That's what I said. Oh shit. Not only is there a hole in my leg, it's about a quarter. Well, no, it was, yeah, a good healthy quarter of an inch deep and about the size of a quarter. Oh. Now. So now I'm kind of getting the idea of why Joseph's worried. Was freaking out, right? And what this acid fly shit is all about. This fucking acid is eating my flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I told Steve and I said, ah, good thing we're going to the doctor because I think I'm going to need him. So. I won't even go into the details of getting to the truck. And we got to the doctor. Right. We'll skip all that. Read it. It's in the book. Um, we get to the doctor. And the first thing he does is he looks at my head, you know, after he cuts all the adhesive <laughs> off. And, everything. and I'm laying there on his exam table, you know. And he says, I said, are you going to have to take stitches? And he goes, No. And I said, you're not going to take stitches? Because I thought that would be the best way to heal it up, you know, because right. I was, you know, 30-something years old, 31 years old, but I didn't want to have this massive scar on my forehead right. for the rest of my life. And he goes, if I take stitches, it's going to make an ugly little stitchy scar there. He said, it's probably the best job of butterflying I've ever seen done on anybody. He said, no, you I did a really I'm- good job. It's already started to knit together and heal, and it's just fine. You did a great job. Okay, well, Doc, I have and, this hole in my yeah, leg. Yeah, well, <laughs> he said, he, that's when he said, anything else? And I said, well, yeah. I said, uh, Joseph told me I got bit by an acid fly, and he goes, you're shitting me. Uh-oh. I go, I shit you not. And he, I said, see, there it is. And he goes, when did this happen? 
So I told him it was yesterday, you know. And by now, by this time, it's way bigger mm-hmm. and deeper. Okay. Now we're talking about the size of a 50 cent piece right. and about a half inch deep. And he said, yeah, that's an acid fly, all right. And he says, it's a damn good thing you came. Now, I don't know what he did or put on it because I didn't have medical training in those days. But he put something on it and and bandaged it up, probably some sort of anti-acid thing or antibiotic or some shit. And he, But he told me, he said, if you had not gotten treatment, it would have eaten to the bone. It's That's what it does. That's mm. what the acid fly does. He said, they're not around a lot, but when you run into one, you want to go the other way. Yeah. Because I asked him, I said, Jesus, are these things everywhere? And he goes, no, they're really kind of rare. But you managed to find one, and it yeah, managed to find you. you, you. Know? So, uh, and then while I was there, I said, oh, and, and by the way, I said, I got this blister on my toe from when I was dumb and wore shoes out in the bush before I caught on to just going barefoot. And I had a blister on my toe. And I said, there's this little red thing in there. Uh-oh. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, damn, it's a chigger. And when he said chigger, the nurse beside him repeated it. And throughout the clinic, I heard the word echoed oh. by other people who heard it. Chigger, 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 like oh. that through the clinic. It was either frightening enough, rare enough, or just plain interesting enough that everybody reacted when he, they right. heard chigger. I go, what the heck is a chigger? And he says, it's a little parasite that likes to get into wounds when it gets a chance. It's very opportunistic. And then they like to get in your bloodstream and really fuck with you. So, um, you know, it's a good thing that... Then you'd be on the TV yeah. shows that we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, right. So he lanced the boil, the blister, and took the chigger out and doctored that up. And he said, anything else? No, I think that's it for now. So those kinds of things kind of made me um, not want to go back. Yeah. You know. But like I said, had I known the various wild animals that were around in that area, like there were supposed to be pygmy um hippos and stuff like that which i would have thought would have been fun but then hippos have nasty personalities Um, so maybe not not so much uh and like i said the snakes and and there are other uh, wild critters that probably would have been not too cool to run into but i never did monkeys about the only wild thing i ever saw and and then fish of course and things like that snails and that that thing but i didn't see any snakes or anything like that so yeah, it was it was cool. I uh, I'm really glad I went. It was the time to go mm-hmm. to Liberia because since then they've had civil unrest uh, and it's not at all not like it was way. then. And but it was at that time a beautiful country, beautiful people. The people of Liberia were just so wonderful to us, all of them. And Welcoming. yeah, and and just I don't know. They they're neat people, you know. And I um I have great, great memories of my time there. We were there almost six months, okay. and it was it was a trip of a lifetime. Yeah, you know. So I'm really glad I went. I don't know exactly how we got on all that from. I don't know. From wherever but we we're all finished. Were it's time to yeah, it's time call to it a day. It out. So uh, happy New Year to everybody that that uh, is listening, and we hope you have a happy New Year. Um, oh yeah, I have to let you know, we will not have a show on the week of the 10th of January, uh, because I'm going <laughs> to be busy with my kids. Yes. Uh, they're going to be coming up for the holiday visit that we sometimes get to have, and it'll be nice because I haven't seen them in a couple of years, so pardon me, that'll be nice. Uh, but as a result, they're going to happen to be here on a podcast, uh, okay. night, so we will not be podcasting that night. Um, therefore we won't have a podcast, at least not a new one. We may no. have, we may have Stitcher do a rerun mm-hmm. of a, a previously aired show. Or you show. could do your own grab bag and pick one you want to listen to Or again. you could do that, yeah. So, um, in the meantime, if there's anybody who wants to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to the website and click on, uh, don't get us started and click on the comment section and that takes you right to the email, uh, machinery so to speak and you can let us know what you think of our show 
and us and uh, we'd love to hear from you we will read your email online or on air unless you request not if we request not we will or if you don't want your name told we won't tell your name we're very respectful of that Uh, that was the dog shaking his head and um, so pretty much that's it for this this new year new year beginning and hopefully we'll have a whole wonderful year in 2014 and oh and we didn't win the mega two people won the mega at 560 some odd million dollars jesus christ yeah no kidding (laughs) one of them in san jose where my brother-in-law lives but i'm pretty sure it wasn't him i think he would have called well he would have called but and besides that it was in a um um a gift shop or something and not likely he would have oh. been in and then i forget the other one was in another state somewhere so well, good, for them. good for them hope you hope you use it well and in good health as they say uh so until next week i am s sadie burbank and i am lacey montoya and we're just saying don't, don't get, get us started, started. Get us